Hello, Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes, UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball teams of all time. And you know what? I, I'm really excited for this episode today. We've had a lot of fun with the uh, uh, the uh, UConn Greatest Teams Tournament Challenge, and uh, we're you know halfway through the first round. And uh, you know, I got to say, this week's episode is going to be a real banger. Uh, so throughout the first uh, you know couple matchups, we've had a couple that were not really that competitive. You know, really, you know, we had fun talking about them, but it wasn't a lot of doubt. We had a couple other ones where, you know, it was really interesting to see how the discussion went and, you know, who, you know, kind of where UConn, you know, the UConn fandom came and, you know, in terms of voting. This week's episode, I, I legit have no idea because we've got two absolutely awesome teams. It's just kind of the seating worked out that these guys got matched up. And uh, Tim, you know, we're obviously I'm, we're going to be talking about 2006 versus 1994. Uh, two teams that are both outrageously talented and, uh, if we're being honest, a little bit disappointing in the long run. So first of all, welcome back. How, how, how was your weekend? How's everything going? Oh, it's great. My uh, We celebrated this weekend. My girlfriend getting her master's from uh, U-Heart, so very good times over here. Hell yeah, hell yeah. So, um, <sighs> dude, yeah, so we're, yeah, so we got to, so first things first, uh, I, I feel like I, we should say uh, valiant effort with 2005, I must say. Honestly, you, you, you almost <laughs> convinced me. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like you really convinced anybody <laughs> because uh, no, 2000, 2011 won in a landslide. It, it clearly wasn't a, a matchup that really captured the imagination. We, we did not get nearly the response we got for 98 versus 2002. And frankly, that's that's fine. I mean, it, it, it was on paper, not nearly as compelling a matchup. Uh, 2011, not surprisingly, won in a route. They won uh, 90% to 10% which is a officially the biggest blowout of the tournament so far. So, you know, uh, they will, so 2011, obviously they move on to the second round and they will play 1998, which is a, uh, going to be a really interesting one. Cause a lot of te- a lot of people really like 1998 and that team is talented as hell. So there could be some hurt feelings in, uh, when we have that discussion later, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, for, for for now though, yeah. Now we're moving on to uh, honestly, I I legit have no idea what what's gonna happen here. Uh, Two thousand six and nineteen ninety four, you know, we're obviously gonna spend the next like you know forty five minutes or so talking about it. But just like two two really awesome teams and uh, two teams that theoretically match up well with one another. Like the athleticism is crazy. You've got you know super you know NBA talent on both teams. Uh, both had like five NBA players on their roster. You know, a lot of guys, you know, highly recruited out of high school superstars and, you know, everything you want, it's there for you. So you, I know you want, you know, so you'll be defending 1994 today. So I know you, you spent some time watching a few games. Um, so I, I guess before we dive too deep into it, tell me a little bit about what you saw today and uh, you know, kind of your, your general thoughts on this matchup. Uh, well, I got a chance to watch most of, uh, you know, I'm trying to sneak views during work. So most of um, this year, this 94 teams win over um, over Syracuse, which was a really good game, a big Monday game back in 1994. So I got to say, as someone who works at ESPN now, the seeing the production value on 1994 Big Monday was amazing, um, especially since I was only about just about two years old at the time, so I didn't get really watch this game on TV. But, um, you know, a nice win for uh, a team that was ranked 14 at the time over 16th-ranked Syracuse. And, you know, obviously the at the rise of UConn basketball, the fans really starting to take on what Dick Vitale described on the broadcast as Husky Mania. 
the fans really starting to get into UConn basketball. Obviously, it had been the case for a few years at that point. But, man, what a team. Like you said, this matchup is going to be outstanding. But I'll tell you what, the weirdest thing is, and I told, I texted you this because I was kind of weirded out by it. I was watching UConn play Syracuse, and I was expecting to watch some zone because we're talking about a team that was coached by Jim Beheim. I didn't expect the other Jim to be throwing zone, but he did. <laughs> that, was a, that was a weird experience for me to see a UConn-Syracuse game where both teams were playing zone most of the game. Yeah, that's that's wild. I feel like that's the sort of thing Calhoun must have done to just uh, to screw with Beheim, but I don't know. Maybe, yeah, who knows? He, 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 he doesn't yeah, mess around, I, so... It was a good. I'll, I admittedly, I admittedly didn't watch enough of uh, the '94 season. You know, I didn't watch the the Ohio game or the Tennessee Tech game, so I couldn't tell you if that was uh, if that was the case throughout the year. But um, maybe one of our older friends might be able to let us know on that. Yeah, this is one I definitely would love to hear some feedback on UConn Twitter. Obviously, like you know, '94 was before both of our times, but. You know, we've we've talked about a few, you know, a few of their games just in in general. Obviously, you know, had a chance to, you know, it's a good team to go back and watch. I'll tell you that a lot of really exciting, you know, talented guys on this team. Two thousand six, obviously, we're all most of us are pretty familiar. I, even before I was actually into UConn basketball, I watched a lot of this this team when I was in high school. I mean, how could you not? They were ranked in the top five of the whole season, and they basically just dunked on everybody they played. I mean, if we're being honest, like two thousand six is like really was just really an awesome team which you know obviously is you know it, it, unfortunately its legacy is one of disappointment just because of how things ended with George Mason in the Elite Eight but man before that you know really before this the, the postseason they were a wagon just they just steamrolled everybody it was it was unbelievable stuff like the whole season like top to bottom just an unbelievable team and uh yeah so we'll we'll get into all that in a second so Tim <laughs> Let's get started. Tell us about 1994. Uh, what, what do people who you know aren't familiar need to know about this team and uh, kind of the, the story of their season? Uh, a couple things. First things first, 94 was a hell of a lot better than 93. Uh, UConn in 93 finished, I believe, 15 and 13 and lost to Jackson State in the NIT. So obviously a huge improvement year over year. And one of the big reasons is you had a few freshmen come in, a guy named Daron Sheffer. Um, a guy named Kirk King who didn't have um, a whole lot of play time on this team or a whole lot of production, uh, and another guy named Ray Allen. So that was that was a nice little boost, I'd say, having those three guys come in. Um, this is also a team that we've talked about in the past for the most part, just a year younger than the 95 team. The only difference is this 94 team also had Danielle Marshall, the Big East Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, a consensus first-team All-American who got drafted number four overall in that year's draft. Um, one of the outstanding defensive players in both UConn and Big East history, and what a season he had. He averaged 25.1 points. He had 8.9 rebounds, 1.6 assists. I mean, the guy was just on an absolute tear and could rip it up from anywhere. He was just that good. And this whole team was just so much, like, just we know what these guys became. The starting lineup. I mean, Ray Allen didn't start a game as a freshman because this starting lineup was Danielle Marshall, Donnie Marshall, who of course we all know had an exceptional UConn career as well. That must have been so confusing Durant. at the time. Like it just like these oh, two, yeah. <laughs> these two awesome players who have basically the same name. Like that that was 
Sorry to interrupt. That, that's just and one com- thing no, I've always... No, and coming through at the same time, Danielle and, Danielle and Donnie were both juniors on this team. So, and I'll tell you what, honestly, for me growing up, you know, this was right before my time. I was only, you know, a year and a half old when this season started. So, as I was getting older and I was hearing about Danielle and Donnie Marshall, I just thought they were, people were talking about the same person. It wasn't until I got quite a bit older that I realized that we had two really good marshals on that team who had just about the same name. So that was a really nice revelation. And obviously we all know Danielle has gone up. We have gotten to see him have, you know, do his best with Central Connecticut. And Donnie we get to enjoy on Fox Sports 1 as part of the Big East coverage. So still guys that are close to our hearts. Um, but they were both starters, both massively productive for this team. Jerome Sheffer also started every game, as did Kevin Ollie. Uh, our old friend and um, the other the other member of the starting five for most of the season was Eric Hayward who ended up winning the starting job early in the season over Travis Knight who you know Travis Knight went on to have a decent career at UConn and in the NBA himself and actually surprisingly um, kind of funny Eric Hayward ended up not going to the NBA from uh, from this team but Travis Knight did but a really consistent starting lineup you had plenty. Of, you had production from you know everyone else. Kirk King played thirty-two games. Brian Fair played thirty-four games. Ray Allen thirty-four games, and all those guys I just mentioned. You know, King, Fair, Allen, guys who are coming off the bench were all player of the year in high school in their state. The year they got recruited to UConn. So just unbelievable talent, top to bottom on this team, and it really showed throughout the regular season and into the NCAA tournament too. This was a team that lost five games all year. They started out unranked, rightfully so, coming off that season where you get knocked out of the NIT by Jackson State. No one really knows what to expect. But, you know, three weeks into the season, they're into the top 25, and they never look back, and it's just a progressive stream upward. They got as high as number two going into going into conference tournament play. Um, you know, only lost three times in the regular season. A, a loss to an Ohio team who ended up as a 12th seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, throw that one away. Nine-point loss, bit a bit of a shocker there. But other than that, you know, a loss at the Carrier Dome to Syracuse in overtime, a 108-95 loss in, uh, in a tough game up in Syracuse. And then you lose by one to Villanova, which was a really bad Villanova team that, during this season. But... Still some talent there. Had Kerry Kittles on the team at the time. Um, going to the Big East tournament, you know, expectations are high, but they get they get knocked out in the in the semifinals by Providence. They lose by two points, and Providence goes on to beat Georgetown and win the conference tournament that year. I feel um, like we should then, probably mention something else that happened in the Big East tournament. Well, can you re- recall the, remind the listeners what happened when Danielle Marshall took the floor against St. John's in the quarterfinals? Oh, that I actually I think you know better than I do. Oh, oh you oh you know. 42 points for our guy Danielle. Oh, that's right. 42 <laughs> points. He just absolutely went crazy. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's still the Big East tournament record for scoring. If it's if if I'm pretty sure it is. If it's not, it was only Yeah, it sounds right. Yeah, just Now that I think about it, yeah, I just I I spaced on that for sure. Oh, it's all um, good. Just an absolutely and- epic performance by our guy Danielle. Um, so. he, he could have finished with 22 points and they would have won because they ended up winning that game by 20. Just a, just an unreal blowout. Um, but yeah, go on, Providence goes on to win the Big East tournament. So that's, uh, that's a weird year for sure when, uh, when Providence wins a Big East title. Um, and then NCAA tournament comes around. They, could, they were a two seed. You know, who knows if they, if they hadn't lost that game to Villanova, if they hadn't lost to Providence, you're probably looking at a team that's a one seed. 
And they go into the tournament. They beat Ryder. No problem there. They beat George Washington by 12. Um, they get to the Sweet 16, and then they lose in overtime by 9 to, uh, to Florida, who goes on to the Final Four. They beat Boston College, who was a 9 seed in the Elite Eight, and uh, end up losing to Duke in the Final Four, and then Duke loses to Arkansas in the National Championship game. So one of those seasons, I think, similar to... Uh, Similar to 2006 without the historic heartbreak at the end, but just one of those what could have been with this team. Um, you know, just again, just incredibly talented and, you know, guys who we have long remembered who were incredibly productive. I've already read Danielle Marshall's stat line. Ray Allen didn't start a single game. He averaged 12.6 points, 4.6 rebounds, and 1.4 assists. He was outstanding coming off the bench as the sixth man. Donnie Marshall, 12.4 points, 5.5 rebounds, 1.3 assists. Jerome Sheffer, 11.9 points, 3.8 rebounds, 4.8 assists. And, you know, down from there, Brian Fair, Kevin Ollie, Eric Hayward, Travis Knight, Kurt King, they're all they're all putting in production, not not huge numbers, but this was a team that could go to any of those guys and get a really solid performance out of them. And it showed they were 19th in the country in scoring. They were the third best shot blocking team. They were eighth in assists and just uh, the seventh best shooting team, field goal percentage-wise. Just a team that could beat you inside, could beat you outside. Ray Allen was only the third best three-point shooter when you look at percentage. Um, funny enough, Daron Sheffer and Brian Fair leading the way there. But a team that could beat you all sorts of ways. They were going to suffocate you with the press. They could, you know, when they got down into the half court, you know, they like I said, they played some zone defense and they did it effectively. And then they, again, they just get out and run, and then they can hit you all sorts of ways on the offensive end. So just a, a great team and a team that set the tone for 95, 96. And, you know, kind of you can look back to this and is kind of one of the tone setters for what ended up coming in the late 90s. Yeah, it's funny to think back to, like, the uh, kind of where UConn was as a program at this point because, you know, in 88 you have the NIT championship. Obviously in 1990 you have the dream season. But then, like, after that, it's like, I don't know, a little bit of a come down. Like, you know, 91, 92, 93, none of those seasons were really anything special. So, like, on some level, it's like, you know, obviously, it was we weren't really sure if UConn was really going to take that next step. And then this season happened. And, I mean, they really never looked back after this. And, I mean, Danielle Marshall, 25.1 points per game and 8.9 rebounds. I mean, that's sick. Like, it's honestly, yeah. it's like really uh, up until Kemba came along, it was like the best individual season anyone at UConn's ever had. Just, a, you know, an unbelievable performance. So another stat for you from him. I mean, this one makes it even more absurd. 3.3 blocks per game. Oh my god! I mean, that's obscene. <laughs> How many like like what Whaley had like what like two, and we thought that was awesome this year, right? Yeah. Like something like that. He's not. I mean, I guess Daniel Daniel was actually sneaky tall. He he's six nine. I for some yeah. reason when I think of him, I, I think of him as being kind of a Rudy Gay kind of stretch. For, you know, four. You know, like a three or a four type of guy. Uh, you know, or I don't know. I I guess I, I he, yeah. He's he definitely is more of a big than I realized. I guess I, that's. I don't know if that's what that says about me, but just uh, he's he, he was he was a force, <laughs> just an absolute yeah. monster. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah, he was definitely he could play as kind of that stretch four. I mean, uh, you know, he wasn't you know, I'm obviously Tyler Polly nowhere near as good as Danielle Marshall, a little bit of a better three point shooter, but Danielle Marshall could hit the three if he wanted to. Also, he you know he was only a thirty one percent three point shooter, but he you know he hit. 
he hit a bunch of them. He was 41 for 132, so he was a guy who could on a on a good day also do that. But what impresses me most about him defensively, you know, as we talked about how dominant he was defensively, he only averaged 2.1 fouls per game. I mean, that's he stays out of foul trouble and just dominates on the defensive end. I, that is incredible to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's you know, if you got anybody in your front court who's only averaging two fouls a game, then you're in good shape usually, because that's yeah. how that's a you know to put it, that's how they get you. You know, <laughs> that's yeah. how they that's how they get you. <laughs> so um, tell so let's talk about Ray Allen a little bit because I feel like you know you hear Ray Allen is on the team, your your natural inclination is to just be like, well, you know, the the dude's in the Hall of Fame, so clearly he's like, you know, they have his like shooting touch and whatever. But that wasn't really. Ray Allen's game early on, right? Like, so you, you said he's, you know, a sixth man at this point. And if I'm not mistaken, the, like his MO back then is he was really more of a slasher and a dunker before he really became, you know, up until Steph Curry, the greatest three point shooter ever. So what was, yeah. Ray, what was Ray Allen's deal at this point And kind of, you know, set kind of give people a, a bit of an idea of kind of wh- what player he was at this point. Yeah, I think it was pretty much exactly that. You know, a guy who wasn't always gonna, he wasn't gonna live and die by the three pointer. I think if there was a if there was a guard on the team that you were gonna go to for the three, it was gonna be Sheffer. Um, you know, um, Ray Allen as as the six man. You know, he kind of played similar to Kevin Ollie in a lot of ways when you look at him offensively. Um, Ollie was a guy who always who always went to the rim with no fear and was really productive that way. Allen was that just slightly better at it, I think. Um, and, you know, obviously wasn't wasn't playing the same as he was he wasn't starting the way Ollie was, but also I think Ollie had the edge defensively a little bit. I mean, when you had Kevin Ollie and Daron Sheffer with their high pressure on defense, I mean, you know, starting a starting a two two one press a lot up in the in the front court and just really suffocating guys, that was that was spectacular. But um, yeah, Allen was a slasher. He was a scorer, a guy who, you know, could get inside. But if he wanted to, he could pull up for three. And he was a pretty solid three-point shooter. He was over 40%. He was one of the three guys on this team who was over 40%. But, if again, if you were going to a guy for a three-pointer, it was Sheffer, who was taking 3.6 three-pointers per game compared to Allen's 2.4. So he was up there. And actually... Um, Danielle Marshall was also taking 3.9 three-pointers per game. So maybe Marshall was the first look over Sheffer, even though he wasn't as even near as good a, a shooter on uh, on that team from uh, from behind the arc. But, yeah, Ray Allen definitely um, evolved his game over time, that's for sure. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. Like, we're talking about 1994, so you're talking about a team shooting as many threes as this one did. Like, that's uh, that was, wasn't exactly the norm back then, so. No. Makes for a good rewatch, though. Over, uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, 15.3 three-point attempts. They were kind of middle of the road uh, nationally when it came to that, but they were 70th in, uh, when it came to making them. They were 36.9% three-point shooting team. Well, they they also made almost like 50% of their shots on the season, so like that's yeah. pretty good. I mean, 7th in the country. <laughs> that's you know, yeah. Also good on assists too. I noticed the eighth in the country in that eighteen point five per yeah. game. So a lot of a lot of great ball movement. We talk about this with a ninety five team. I mean, the offense is off the charts. You know, you know, eighty four point nine points per game is no joke. You know, that's uh, you know, by any in any era really. Like that's they're yeah. they're, getting, they're getting to the hoop a lot, and uh, defensively, you know, certainly much better than ninety five was. I mean, sixty eight point six points per game is much more what you kind of what you're looking for there. So yeah. 
and holding teams to 39.4% shooting, which was 13th best in the country. And when you're when you're a team that's shooting 49.5% from the field, 72% from the line, you're blocking 6.4 shots per game, and you're you're holding teams to 68.6 points. You're in really good shape to win a lot of basketball games. Well, not a surprise that they did in fact win a lot of basketball games. So yes. now, which is like makes their the end of their season so confounding. It's like a team like this. You you almost it's actually kind of crazy they didn't do better. Why? What happened in the in the postseason, and why, why do you think it is that they ultimately failed against Providence and Florida? It's a good question. I mean. You know, they were a team that if you could if you could beat the pressure, then you could definitely get to the rim. And you could if you could get behind them, you definitely had a chance. And sure enough, I think that's just what happened down the line. You know, this when they lost to when they lost to Florida, it was all like pretty much all inside scoring from the Gators. They were three for twelve from uh, from behind the arc in that game and um, you know, just really, really efficient inside. So I think sometimes I noticed when I was watching that Syracuse game, if UConn tried to press you the way they did, they would play this kind of a a two two one press. Then uh, if you could if you could get into the spaces that were left and you know just work the ball quickly inside, then you had a chance. And you know, um, not obviously not getting a chance to watch much of uh, much of the games from that season. It seems like that's that's the way to beat the Huskies. And given the given the way these box scores look, that's definitely um, how it seems it played out. Yeah, well, I'm just looking over the Florida one right now, and I see one number that jumps out pretty, uh, a big, a huge red red flag here. Uh, so in the Florida game, UConn made 50% of their two-point shots on the day, and yet they only went two for 17 from behind the arc. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that's not going to get it done. Uh, and Danielle Marshall went 0 for 5. Uh, Deron Sheffer went two for six. He had uh, the only two threes of the game. Uh, Kevin Ollie, Donnie Marshall, both went 0 for 2. And Ray Allen, the best uh, three-point shooter of his generation and basically ever up until, like, you know, right now, 0 for 2. Uh, yeah. Our guy, Ray Allen, the Hall of Famer and one of the greatest shooters ever, uh, a no-show from behind the arc. So who would have guessed? <laughs> Actually, looking closer, he had two points in that game in yeah. 20 minutes. Like that's, that's a, that is astounding. I I'm looking at this and I'm I I can't quite believe it. It's uh, I mean there you go. That's why'd they lose? That that probably had a lot to do with it. So <laughs> he's a freshman. It's, it's okay. He's in the Hall of Fame now. He's won multiple yeah. NBA champions. So it, it it happens. You know whatever he. he wow. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, before we move <laughs> on, any any other thoughts on '94 before we uh, dive into '06? No, just a fun team with a lot of a lot of names that was still that still loom large in the history of this program. And again, this this was kind of one of those foundational teams that we've talked about. Not necessarily one of those like proto championship teams, but a team that really on their day could have could have and maybe should have done a lot better than uh, than the Sweet Sixteen in a conference semifinal. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, you know, over the course of a program's history like UConn's, and this is the same with like everybody, you know, you look at Kansas, you look at Kentucky, you look at, you know, Duke or North Carolina, you you got years like this where you have a crazy good team that just didn't, it just didn't quite work out. So yeah, yeah, you know, it's, it's tough, but UConn ended up getting, well, I don't know, four national championships and five final fours afterwards. So you can't, it worked out. It, it's, it worked out. Okay. They, they had better yeah. days ahead, a lot of great memories and hopefully they're going to make even more now. So 
I do have a quick question sure. uh, that leads into a into a stat about uh, this team. I'm assuming if we're playing these games, if we're actually taking these teams, that time machine we talked about, and putting them on the floor, we're probably putting them at Gamble or XL, right? You know, a Yukon, a Yukon floor to play these games? I would think so, yeah. I mean, or, or Madison Square Garden, I guess, depends on how big a crowd you want. Why? <laughs> yeah, well, because this team didn't lose a single game at home in 1993-94. Uh, in they were undefeated at Gamble and XL. That was uh, their only loss. They they lost a couple of uh, they lost three of their games on neutral courts against Ohio, Providence, and Florida. If you want to call Madison Square Garden a neutral court, um, and then they lost at Syracuse and at Villanova. Well, you know what? Then that's an interesting fact because I can say the exact same thing about two thousand six. Looking well, there at you go. looking at their uh, well, why don't we just dive right in two thousand six? Yeah. Uh, also very good. <laughs> <laughs> also a very good team who won a lot of games. Yeah, they only so they went 30 and 4 on the season. They were a perfect 16 and 0 at home and they yeah, they were uh 14 and 2 in the conference overall and, and man, they they just they I mean, you want to talk about a team that just like beat people up. This team just absolutely whooped people's just whooped people's asses. Uh so Maui Invitational Champions right out of the shoot. So very very start of the season, you see them go to Hawaii. And they uh, they win three real good games against three real good teams um, just in the first like week of the season. You got Arkansas seventy seven sixty eight, number nine Arizona seventy nine seventy, number eight Gonzaga, and a really good one sixty five to sixty three. Um, Denim Brown over Morrison. Absolutely. Oh, what a game! Just a yeah, that was a fun one, and that really set the tone. I mean, after that, like I'm gonna read you a couple of these next couple scores. A couple of days later, you have Texas Southern. They beat them 113 to 49. That's sick. Like, that's like that's just rude, honestly. Like, <laughs> like what do you? Anyway, that yeah. So you got then you got UMass, who they only beat by a respectable 18 points, 78 to 60. You've got New Hampshire, UNH, who they uh, beat by what's that? 42 points. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Morehead State. Uh, a team we've seen in the NCAA tournament and made some noise a couple times. Uh, I don't know. You do the math. One twenty nine to sixty one. Is that a? That's like that's like that's a. That's like a woman's basketball score. That's stupid. Like <laughs> one twenty nine points. Are you serious? Like that? Like, I don't even. I, have you ever seen that in a in a college basketball game? I don't think I can recall anyone ever scoring one hundred and twenty nine points. That's nuts. I, uh, I I can't recall and. The scoring was balanced, other than the leading scorer coming off the bench for thirty-three. Let's hear it for Rashad Anderson. Oh my God! Yeah, just to, yeah, just you know. And then it was on, on and on. I mean, even the respectable games were yeah. like thirty-point blowouts. And then you have what I believe might be one of the most enduring traditions in UConn basketball history. They lose their first Big East Conference game on the road in a really stupid fashion. They go to Marquette and they lose ninety-four to seventy-nine. Which, looking at these other scores, like up above. It must be the like the biggest WTF result I've ever seen. Like you must like that must have happened and we all must everyone must have just been like, What the hell was that? <laughs> this team was just smoking everyone. I, I, I to be fair, I, I don't really know how Marquette was that season that season, but like I, I don't feel like UConn should have lost that game by fifteen points. So That was uh forty one points from Steve Novak. Oh my god, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that'll he... do it. My God, 
Six for seven on two-pointer, six for 13 on threes, and 11 of 11 from the line with 16 rebounds. Yeah, that must have been the dumbest game to watch ever. I can just imagine yeah. watching that and just being like, what the hell What the hell just happened? <laughs> Steve Novak, oh my God. Jeez, all right, well, well, so yeah, so anyway, that happened, and then UConn pretty much just went right back to work and just basically mowed down everybody they played. They dispatched of everybody with ease. You know, number five, Cincinnati, they beat him by 11. Number 20, Syracuse, beat him by eight. Number 17, Louisville, 71-58. You know, on and on you go. Number nine, Pittsburgh, uh, they beat them by four. Pittsburgh, I mean, this is back when Pittsburgh is just a beast, you know, too. They're always always real good in the, the, the 2000s. Um, number 22, Indiana, really solid 88-80 to win. You know, on, on we go until they finally lose again to number four Villanova on the road, 69-64. And that team was, I mean, that Villanova team was a wagon too. I mean, you have um, Kyle Lowry and, you know, a whole bunch of other really good players on that team. And, um, well, you got a rematch a couple weeks later at one of the, the best Gamble games I think ever played, really. I mean, that college game day game was, uh, you know, a number two versus number four matchup. And uh, I remember that one like like it was yesterday. I watched that. Um, that, that I was you know, watching that one at home in my pre-UConn days. And uh, UConn got it done, 89-75. And, uh, yeah, on we go to the Big East tournament where Jerry McNamara happens. <laughs> uh. Red flag, red sirens. Uh, Houston, we have a problem. UConn loses their first game in the Big East tournament, eighty-six to eighty-four in overtime. And this is probably where we maybe should have realized that something was wasn't quite right because uh, the NCAA tournament was a a kind of a nerve-wracking affair, even when things were going well. Um, so. Uh, number one seed, obviously, you know, one of the favorites to win it all. Uh, they're ranked in the, the top five, basically the whole season, you know, just, just, uh, highly regarded. And then, you know, you start with a 16 seed Albany, you win 72 59. That that's, that's a game they won by 50 points earlier in the season. So I remember watching that game. I genuinely thought they were going to lose that game at one point. I thought that the history was being made. Yeah. Well, well, hold on. We're, we're going to get to that soon enough. Yeah. <laughs> Number eight, then we got eight seeded Kentucky. That one's uh, also very close, 87 to 83. And then we got Washington, a game that, if we're being honest, they really should have lost. <laughs> you got, uh, you know, I'm blanking on, I'm blanking on who it was who forced overtime. Uh, you got to help me out with this. Um, was it, uh, was it Anderson? That might, I think it was. Yeah. He, he, yeah. I think it was Rashad Anderson for three saves, saves their bacon. They win the game in overtime 98 to, to 92 against number five, Washington. They Washington, you, you just know what I love to have gotten that one. Cause obviously UConn and Washington had some tournament history from 98. And then yeah. that sets up the elite eight game with George Mason, the Cinderella team for the ages. A number 11 seed. UConn can't possibly lose to George Mason, right? <sighs> you know, honestly, I, I I thought about doing an April Fool's Day episode of this show just about this game. Like, honestly, like, I, I thought about it, but it was, like, kind of in the middle of, like, you know, the end of the season. And, yeah. and then I was like, yeah, but I'm not that cruel. Like, could you imagine if we just spent an hour talking about this game? All of our listeners would probably unsubscribe and I'd probably, no escalators would probably show up at my house and smack me with a two, two by four. It was a bad time. I remember there was a day, like this was probably like five, six years ago. I was so miserable one day that I just decided that to just like really lean into it. I went to UConnHuskyGames.com and I threw this game on. Why would you ever do I that? Just- 
Dude, I watched this game. Like, I was in that bad of shape. Dude, I watched (laughs) this game as a non-fan, and I was, like, thinking, oh, my God, George Mason's going to do it. And then in the back of my head, I was just like, this is really rough to watch, man. (laughs) If I was a UConn fan, I'd be, like, I'd be so mad. And then, like, you know, a couple years later, I'm like, I am a UConn fan now, and now I'm, like, retroactively (laughs) pissed. Like, I can't believe this happened. The final score is... the fact that it look it not only was it ba- so here here here's how it went down forty three to thirty four UConn leads at halftime so okay it's it's kind of going the way you want maybe it's a little closer than you prefer UConn blows the lead in the second half they allow it uh, you know George Mason ties it up and forces overtime and honestly like the fact that they forced overtime and they won it in overtime is like inexcusable I can't believe yeah the fact that George Mason won the game in overtime. Uh, Look, okay. I think we we don't need to talk about it anymore. The, the the point is UConn loses and it's like the worst thing ever. So Yeah. So that happened. So that's something we have to live with. So, you know, Florida happened, George Mason happened. So, you know, two of UConn's worst tournament losses ever. So, uh the good news is that we can kind of just accept that and just talk about these teams for what they were, which were really awesome and fun teams who did not have happy endings to their seasons. But man, was this team fun to watch? I mean, let's let's run down the list. Rudy Gay, sophomore year Rudy Gay, you know, the number five recruit out of the country, out of Baltimore. I mean, what a, he he put on a show. Uh, the six nine, two twenty, uh, you know, forward. Great size matchup for Danielle, actually. Now that I look at it, uh, yeah. he was a team's leading scorer. He only had fifteen points per game, fifteen point two to be exact. So he was not like a dynamic, uh, you know, carry the team kind of guy like Danielle was. But, uh, you know, 6.4 rebounds, 2.1 assists, and just enough highlight reel dunks to fill up, you know, whatever you know, whatever highlight package you want. Just an unbelievable, you know, still in the NBA to, today. So, you know, one of UConn's best players ever by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you got Rashad Anderson, who's a senior. Now he's, like, in full effect. You know, his junior year was a little bit weird, but, you know, senior year he was awesome. 12.8 points, uh, you know, tons of three-pointers. Uh, Josh Boone, junior, center, six, uh, you know, just just a load, 10, 10.3 points, seven rebounds, just an absolute monster. Hilton Armstrong. Now we got him coming off, you know, not really known as like a great player up until his, this year, but he really came through 9.7 points, uh, 6.6 rebounds. Just, uh, those two, uh, Boone and, and Armstrong in the front court were a monstrous force. And then you got Denim Brown too, who's a senior forward, a little bit smaller, uh, but you know, compact, uh, six, six, two twenty, ten point seven points, 4.4 rebounds. And, uh, let's not forget about Jeff Adrian, our guy, uh, he's a freshman this year, six, seven, two forty three, just an absolute load. He, he came through in a lot of, uh, you know, obviously he didn't, wasn't the player he was in 2009, but still, uh, made some really big plays. It's in some big games, 6.5 points, five rebounds. And, uh, you know, obviously we talked about this team as like just being massive dynamic last, last week. Um, you know, the 2005 team, obviously at Villanueva too, but you know, once again, you know, Marcus Williams is really the straw that stirs the drink. Um, six, three guard, pretty, you know, you know, got some good size and, uh, man, 12.3 points and 8.6 assists. This team was crazy good. And like, we haven't even talked about Craig Ostry, who's on this team as a freshman and Ed Nelson, who's like a senior forward who. 260 so he's also a big guy you know he he had some contributions marcus johnson's a freshman he has a some moments along the way man just a, a whole lot of talent so i'll never understand how that team didn't win a national title it's i just crazy I, dude i can't I believe it. <laughs> uh, it i think honestly like you know all the, the yukon lifers are going to hate me for this but like 
I'm kind of glad like I got to experience this as a neutral before I like retroactively it kind of became like one of those painful sports memories because man boy that's yeah that that was yeah. that must have been so bad <laughs> yeah so. like I pretty much until I just brought it up to like compare it right here like I've suppressed games like the San Diego game a couple years later that they lost in the NCAA tournament you know Virginia Tech and Iowa State just forgotten games you don't forget that you don't forget the George Mason game you don't forget that you lived it. You don't forget that the three games before that, four if you go back to the Syracuse game, were just like writing on the wall, something bad is about to happen. You're cheating death right now, and it's going to catch up with you. And it just, it still hurts. I still, to this day, UConn could finish next season 30-0. and They could be winning every game by 25 points per game. Just dominating everybody. Like, beyond what Gonzaga did earlier or for most of this season i would still not pick that team in my bracket to win the national championship i haven't picked a uconn men's team since 2006 because i am traumatized by what happened in 2006 well yeah well look if it's any consolation uconn's performance is not reflective of what you write on your bracket although you could convince me otherwise in some cases but yeah, man, I don't know. Could you, you know, talk about bad losses? Could you imagine being a Gonzaga fan this year? That must have oh my gosh. that Baylor game, man. What a what a way to lose, man. <laughs> that was horrible. <laughs> now, now you got me thinking. Now, oh, I know. God, could you, <laughs> dude? I'm just trying to think. Like, has, has UConn had a loss that comes even close to this since? Like, I'm trying. Well, I mean, San Diego maybe, but like, I don't know if we really. No, I don't San Diego game is close. No, like, honest. like I'm just I, thinking about it. Like in that, you know, nine, 2009, like losing the Michigan State was, you know, a bummer. But I don't think that rises to the level of like a disaster. Like that was one uh, of those games. That where, one, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was, that one was, you know, you lose Jerome Dyson earlier that season. You know, Kemba does a great job, and they do a great job to get to the Final Four because they were talented enough to do it. For me, 09 is just, if they had Jerome Dyson, I think they win the national title. Yeah. But well, you know, and then making the final four, it's like, okay, you, you lose in the semifinals. It's like you made the final four. Since then, yeah. you know, 2011, oh. you know, they won it all. 2014, yeah. they won it all. 2012, you know, they never really got good enough to really have a loss that catastrophic. 2013, no problem. And then basically from 2015 to the present, they really haven't been in a situation where, like, you could have just... <laughs> just a loss that just makes you stare at the ceiling and like, yeah, like our, our our big catastrophes with UConn since then have been structural, not a situation yeah. game like this. Like experiencing exactly. the AAC was as big a catastrophe as anything we had to deal with against George Mason, and it was way more painful. But we can't really put them in the same category, and frankly, now no, they're in the Big East, so it's not. like we're we're kind of we've moved past that. Finally, hopefully, we'll see. Yeah. Man, dude. All right. Well, let's let's let we this 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 podcast has taken a bit of a dark turn here. So why don't we talk yeah. about the awesomeness of trying to imagine these teams actually suit up on the floor and try to play one another? Because that prospect is just incredibly tantalizing. So um, yeah, what do you think would happen? Like, God, look at these these athletes everywhere. What do you let's big picture? How do you think this game goes? Um, a lot of points. <laughs> Potentially, or it could just be a, de- a battle of defensive juggernauts at the same time. I mean, this would be an epic matchup. 
It really would be. I think this would be one of the best matchups in the bracket, without any any doubt. I mean, my I, I'm just I'm curious with you know I'm I'm not going to pretend that 2006 isn't a ha, doesn't have <laughs> an incredibly deep team. So I'm curious with how much how much movement you could do with that starting lineup. I'm curious how they would line up against the 94 team. All right. Well, let's try to go try to go position by position. I, I feel like we can probably safely presume that it would be Kevin Ollie versus uh, Marcus Williams, right? Yeah. So how how does that matchup go? You think? <laughs> Two best defensive guards on the floor. Um, man, they're. I like Ollie's. I like Ollie a lot when it comes to you know driving to the rim and you know trying to get fouled and get to the get to the line, but. Um, you know, Marcus Williams also an incredibly good defensive player, and but Kevin Ali is at the same time too. So I'm just I'm curious. I that might almost cancel out. I think that it just like I think they're just two outstanding, outstanding two guards that are really gonna or outstanding guards that are gonna just really have a hell of a matchup against each other. Yeah, I I would be. I think Marcus Williams guarding Kevin Ollie would be a really interesting situation as far as Williams on offense I I feel like in this specific matchup Williams is a distributor here I don't know if he really needs to like if if Marcus doesn't score very much 2006 is probably still in okay shape but if Marcus Williams isn't passing and he's got no assists then they might be in trouble so that's the same with Kevin Ollie who was who had 6.1 assists on this team yeah but at least at least there's a backup plan there because you know Jerron Sheffer also averaged almost four like five assists per game too so yeah at least 94 has some redundancy there whereas 2006 if Williams isn't passing that team has some problems so let's talk about so the two situations. You probably have uh, Duran Sheffer, and I would imagine primarily Rashad Anderson. You would think, right? Which would be interesting because Rashad Anderson didn't start a single game that year, but I could see that for sure. Well, all right. I guess. Well, and well, what do you think that matchup would be then? Because hmm. I could, I could flip Damn. that. I could flip that and say, well, what about Ray Allen, who also didn't start any games that year? Because like maybe would would Rashad and Ray Allen be the matchup then, as as like a now, whatever they maybe they don't start, but they do they play each other most of the time. Yeah, I could see that they could probably be two guys who come off the bench and then have huge games off uh, off the bench. Maybe at the start you're probably looking at Craig Austry against Daron Sheffer, which I would have to say advantage Sheffer there. Oh well, clearly I don't know if I'd want that matchup yeah. if I was 06. No, exactly, o- exactly. 06 is their strength is their big, so I'm, you're gonna be yeah, having I'm, Rudy Gay, Josh Boone, yeah. Hilton Armstrong, and Denim Brown. Some combination of those guys are usually gonna be on the floor. So, Dur- yeah. so Duran Sheffer like is interesting because theoretically he might be either guarding or trying to you know play against a, like a big. So I mean, who knows? Like that's that's an interesting one. I, I just whatever I don't know. That's so why don't we? No, I, I, yeah, I'm just looking straight up at you know who who was starting most of the season for these teams. I totally get what you're saying when you're looking at situational like that for sure, absolutely. So I guess I'm just I guess I'm just asking for your opinion on kind of who the 2006 yeah. the 2006 teams two would be, even if he's like a four in in real life. Yeah. No, in that case, you know, I I think Rashad makes sense. I I, I really do in that situation. Um, but I think it would be it would be interesting to see how they how they do def- uh, how they handle Jerome Sheffer because you know if UConn if this '94 team loved to get on and run and one of the ways they did that was through just intense pressure defensively 
And at that point, once UConn gets into a, you know, I have a, I'm looking at a hockey game right now, so lack of a better phrase, odd man rush going up the, going up the floor. Durant's just going to get the ball off to someone else, and from there they're just going to take off and score on you. So yeah. once he... Once him and Ollie do the suffocating on defense from there, it's just an open game. Yeah, it feels like the transition uh, game would be big for 94, but potentially also for 06 for the opposite reason. So here's the front yeah. court situation, and I have to say I'm a little concerned for 94 here. So 94, <laughs> your front court, you have Daniel Marshall, who's 6'9", you have Donnie Marshall, who's 6'7", and you have uh, primarily, you said Eric Hayward's the, usually the guy, right? Yeah, he's usually the guy over Travis Knight. So he's 6'7". So Travis Knight is available, and he's he's a 7-footer. So yeah. he, he may get some shine here, but that group is going to be trying to stop a, a, a lineup that would include Josh Boone, who's 6'10", Hilton Armstrong, who's 6'11", and Rudy Gay, who's 6'9", and plays like he's, you know, he can, you know, jump through the roof. So yeah. <laughs> I think Rudy Gay versus Danielle Marshall has to be that matchup. But what oh, on yeah. earth is Donnie Marshall and Eric Hayward going to do about Boone and Armstrong? That is a colossal <laughs> mismatch. Like it's like in a like it's not even close. Like what are we gonna what are we doing there? UConn ninety four has to produce one of the best defensive pressing games of all time. I I they they have to just be dominant on the press against this team because. If you if you get into a situation where you're allowing 06 to set up in the half court and you now have to defend against all of Rudy Gay, Hilton Armstrong, and Josh Boone, you're going to have a hard time unless you can force the ball to stay to the outside, but that's a team that also can shoot the three pretty well. You know, a, a guy named Rashad Anderson, I recall, making a lot of clutch three-pointers in his day. So I think you just you have to press constantly against this 06 team you have to wear them out before they can even get to get to half court and you just have to again the transition game is going to be huge you need to you need to beat them on the press and then you just need to keep fast breaking getting out and not letting them set up because otherwise you're going to be in for a tough game yeah I think... it's, a, it's a thing that 94 can do it's a thing that they are capable of doing so i you know I'm not going to deny that 06 has a massive size advantage down low with three outstanding big guys. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, obviously if they do get into the half court, you got to rely on, you know, Danielle Marshall's going to have to do some of that defensive wizardry he did in 94. You're going to need, you know, Eric Hayward to have a, have a gritty game. A guy like Travis Knight's coming off the bench and provide that height and that – you know, use that size to his advantage. It's going to be tough, but yeah. And you know, man, I, I do something. Yeah. And I, I mean, I didn't even just mention Denim Brown, Jeff Adrian, and like freaking Ed Nelson, like all yeah. guys who are also huge. <laughs> like, A guy the, who should have gone to the NFL and one who actually tried to. I'm looking the, yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at this like 2006 roster and it's preposterous. I can't believe this team existed. I'm I, I, honestly, I I, I'm, I wish I I wish I got to experience this team. Like I'm jealous. This is you know, the team that would have had Andrew Bynum, by the way. <laughs> oh my God! Could you imagine? 
that's just unbelievable. Like, yeah, I guess like, honestly, like the only, I guess really the only difference is that Hilton Armstrong probably wouldn't have played and had the season he had. So like, yeah, but God, could you imagine? Jeez. But he could have come off the bench and done some things yeah. too. Now I'm looking at this team. I'm just looking at this team now. I'm like, I'm like retroactively super jealous of like Kevin Duffy and like Kevin Meacham and those guys who were freshmen. And this was like their first UConn team. Like, what yeah. an introduction. I mean, sure. Okay. My 2009 was my first team. Like that's also a pretty yeah. good team. Like if, if we're being honest, it was arguably a better team. Who knows? They made the final four yeah. entertaining as hell. Ah, yeah. geez. I love those shout outs. Also Mary Brown, our friend from Twitter, who uh, I believe was there. Oh five to Oh eight. So she saw some things, but this team was fun to watch until the George Mason game for the most part. Oh my God. Shout out to UConn Twitter. You guys are the best. Um, all right. So, you know, before we kind of wrap this up, I, I do feel like we really need to d- drill a little deeper into Rudy Gay versus Danielle Marshall, because if we're, if we're being honest, that's like, those are your superstars. That's where this matchup's uh, like the bread is buttered. Danielle Marshall yeah. is perfectly capable of shooting, scoring 40. And Hey, frankly, he could, he could do it against this team. It wouldn't be the first time someone scored 40 against the 2006 team. So yeah. Shout out to Steve Novak. Shout out to, shout to our, to our guy. How do you, what do you, what do you think of that matchup? Uh, Rudy versus uh, Danielle. All love to Rudy. I love Danielle in this matchup. I just think that he can be so many different ways and defensively, he's going to really have a, he's going to lock down Rudy Gay. Uh, he was, like I said, one of the best defensive players to come around for a long time, both for UConn and in the Big East. And, you know, those 3.3 blocks per game, they're, uh, they weren't a fluke. And, you know, Rudy Gay, not a bad shot blocker himself, but when Rudy tries to get to the rim, you know, if he if he can get to the rim, then uh, Danielle's going to have something to say about him getting uh, having himself a big night, which I think he would need to do. It would be fascinating to watch. I, I, I would be interested in... Ha- those two guys, obviously, you know, fantastic players, and I, I'd be fascinated to kind of see those guys just play one on one against each other. I bet it would be pretty epic. You know, Danielle, by the way, you know, pretty good pro too. Like, you know, yeah. had, it, this guy was no scrub either. So, like, you know, the, the talent on display in this game would just be out of control. I can't believe this is yeah. a first round matchup. I feel like this could, you know, this could potentially have been like a like a semifinal if UConn's history wasn't so illustrious. So. Yeah, exactly. Grateful we get to have this conversation. And uh, grateful we now get to decide to, you know, pick a winner. So, Tim, why don't, um, why don't, uh, how about I go first this time? Because I feel like I've gone yeah. second most of the time. So, do you, you got the timer ready? You want to, you want to kind of count me in? I do have the timer ready. All right. Well, give me a second so I can get my own ready so I don't have a repeat of a couple of weeks ago where I sounded like, yeah. a, <laughs> sounded like a jerk. Um, and all right, yeah, I think I'm good to go. So uh, I'll yeah. So for those of you who haven't listened before, basically what we're each going to do is take uh, one minute to make our final pitch. Uh, it's crunch time here, and uh, you know, 2006 and 94, maybe they weren't the best crunch time teams, but we're going to do our best, and we're going to try to make our pitch for why this team would win a matchup and who would win. And then after that, we'll have 30 seconds to make a rebuttal in case somebody said something outrageous. And then we will uh, leave it to you, the listeners, and you guys can all decide uh, which one of these great teams will advance. So, uh, Tim, I'm ready whenever you are. You uh, count me in or, or what? I am ready. So why don't we uh, why don't we hear from you in three, two, one? All right. So as we've discussed, the 2006 team was just an absolutely unbelievable team. 
but it's been unfairly maligned because frankly the ending was really bad george mason was inexcusable but guess what 94 have their own demons so we get to measure these teams on the merits and what the this team was was just an unbelievably talented team arguably one of the most talented uconn has ever had you know R rudy gay all the way down to like craig austria and ed nelson even Marcus Johnson, all were very productive. No matter who takes the court, this team is outrageously talented and able to pretty much score in whatever way they want. You know, Marcus Williams is a distributor. The front court, which we've discussed, is just out of control big. I mean, forget about trying to keep up. These guys are athletes, and they, you know, look, they, they dominated everybody. It, it didn't end very well, but... I have no doubt that in a one-on-one -on -one matchup, this team is capable of beating anybody, and certainly 94 would give them a good game, but I think 2006 would be the team to come out on top. One minute. It's great when I get to watch the timer, too, because then I actually get to set up my final point and not sound like a jerk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Well done. Maybe for the second round we should we should like outlaw keeping our own time so that the other the other person has to cut him off. But I, I like it. I like it. Well, well, but for, for now we'll keep this going. So uh, you ready? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about '94. So I got you in three, two, one, and go. All right, 2006. They had the size. They they had the talent. But you know what? Just because the '94 team is a little bit smaller doesn't mean that they're gonna be. You know, they're going to be out of this game. They're going to give 06 a hell of a game, and who says they can't win? Danielle Marshall leading the way. One of the best seasons that we've seen from a UConn player ever. You know, 25 points, 9 rebounds, three, almost 3.5 three blocks isn't a fluke. This guy is a stud. He's got studs all the way down the roster with him. Jerome Sheffer's going to pop off from 3. Donnie Marshall can do whatever. Trey Allen's incredible. Kevin Ollie was fantastic. And Eric Hayward, Travis Knight, they'll do the dirty work for you. Look, this team was the seventh best shooting team in the country. So the best rebounding team in the country in 06 isn't going to have a lot of opportunities to make up on defense. And they're not going to have a lot of chances on offense either because this team is going to press the hell out of them. They're going to get suffocated in the backcourt. And then they're just going to run and Danielle Marshall is going to throw down a whole bunch of dunks. So 94 by 10. In time. Wow. 94 by 5. You know what? You may have just convinced me. Or perhaps not. I don't know. We'll just have to see. Uh <laughs> Count me in for my rebuttal. All right. Three, two, one. So the 94 team, if we're being honest, Danielle Marshall was really the guy. He scored a lot of points. And when he wasn't scoring, this team wasn't necessarily built to survive an off night by him. You know, we say, oh, but Ray Allen's on this team. But no, Ray Allen wasn't Ray Allen yet. So if... This team, if the 2006 team, with all their size and all their you know ability to mess you up, if they can take Daniel out, I'm not so sure it goes well for 94. But we'll just have to see. Nice. So, uh, yeah, what do you have to say about that? You tell me in three, two, one, and go. Taking Danielle Marshall out of the game is a huge ask. I don't know if there are many teams that are capable of doing it. Could the 06 team do it? Maybe. But, you know, we also thought that they were going to brush aside Albany and Kentucky and take care of Washington and then sweep aside George Mason. But that didn't happen. And we saw that a team like George Mason could take down this 06 team. And if George Mason could take down this 06 team, then anyone could. And you got to stop Danielle Marshall? That's not very likely. Tim, you just hurt my feelings. 
sorry. That was mean, dude. No, it's not very truthful. God, yeah, man. The 2006 team deserves uh, better than that, dude. Man, I can't believe they lost to George Mason. Can you? Uh, I can't believe it either. That's why I'm so mad all these years later. 15 years I haven't gotten over it. This team deserves so much better. I mean, I can't believe you just said all that. Night, there's nothing, even if I had another rebuttal, I can't say. Hey, well, you know what? Look, yeah. <laughs> Ray Allen scored two points against Florida. So, and now I'm now yeah. I'm, now I'm cheating, and I'm I'm making other points after the the, the buzzer. <laughs> so a technical foul uh, on me. Maybe if I you, you, you get if I get called another one, who knows? Maybe I'll get tossed off my own podcast. But yeah. <laughs> we'll have to see. And in the meantime, we leave this to you, the listeners, to decide which of these two outrageously talented and unfortunately disappointing teams will advance to the next round. And uh, frankly, I'm very interested in seeing, I mean, if we're being honest, I guess it's just really like, how badly do people hold George Mason against the t- 2006? And frankly, how, uh, how, how, uh, have, how much have we moved past 94 zone failings? Because let's be honest, there's some oldies yeah. in our crowd who are like, yeah, you know, losing that game to Providence and then to Florida. Yeah. So uh, I guess we're going to find out Which who game upsets you less. Or I guess, you know, how, who, who holds better grudges, I guess. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Any, anyway, um, we'll have this poll posted. You can follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. I'll have this poll posted and pinned to my profile probably by, you know, I don't know, sometime in, uh, this is, you know, you'll be listening to this on Tuesday. So by the end of this morning, you'll see that up there. We'll have the poll open until Friday. And yeah, you know, spread the word, get some votes out, argue. I want, I want to see some more arguing. Like 2011 versus 05 wasn't a very compelling matchup for people to bitch about. This one is. I want to hear all you 90s people tell us all about how great this team was and all you 2000s people to do the same. And we'll have ourselves a good time and then we'll get back to you in a week and have another one next week. And next week will be a good one too, I think. Um, so Tim, what do you think about this? Uh, in to, and uh, when we get back to this, we will have the 2009 team, uh, the number three seed, versus the number 14 seeded 2003 team, a, uh, a proto-championship team if there ever was one, and one that included Emeka yeah. Okafor and Ben Gordon, who you can never count out. So uh, that'll be a fun one as well. So, uh, Tim, anything else before we uh, wrap this uh, this baby up? Shout out to the UConn softball team for putting up a hell of a fight in the Big East tournament. Almost came away with the conference title. Just uh, came up short against Villanova on the last day. But that was that was impressive. They've come a long way, apparently, from when I covered the team back in uh, back in the early 2010s. So shout out to them and you know to all the UConn teams putting up a fight. Hell yeah, we got UConn golf doing good stuff. You know, uh, yeah, a lot of you know. Who else? There's um. There's been a couple teams in the news recently. It's, it's crazy. I can't keep up. Like all the fall teams are playing now too. So there's been a lot to lot to keep up with. Either way, yeah. The the, the lacrosse team made it to the NCAA tournament, lost to Virginia, but that's hey, the one. They, yeah, they got there. That yeah. was awesome. Yeah, the women's lacrosse team did awesome this year. That was that was the one I was trying to yeah. rack my brain for. Baseball is doing great. Uh, UConn just a great, great, great sports school. Who 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 would have guessed? Yeah. Anyway, great pick. Anyway, so um. Yeah, we'll be back next week. You guys all, thanks so much for listening. Please go vote. Please go subscribe on Apple Podcasts and uh, even follow me. I just told you where to find me on Twitter. You can email us at yes, you, uh, yesuconpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, Tim, where can they find you? Your, your Twitter handle is different these days. What, what's your, what, what is it these days? Tim from UConn. Nice and easy to remember. So yeah. anyway, you guys all be good. You guys go vote uh, and you guys all just be safe and 
do your thing. We'll be back next week and uh, can't wait to talk some more. And uh, yeah, have a good one, guys.